Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. Well, I want to welcome everyone today. Uh, It's good to be in God's house together. Also want to look into the camera as I do every single week and say a big hello to all those joining us online. I know one family's joining us from Texas on vacation. Come on, shout out Texas. Hope you guys are having a horrible time. It's raining like crazy down there. It's beautiful here. It's amazing. Best weather ever. But you guys have a good time in Texas. It's going to be great. We're glad you're joining us on vacation. I also want to say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. Man, it's an honor. It's an honor to have you guys a part of our church. So come on, D-Town. Help me welcome our church family today. So good. It's awesome. Well, we are continuing on in our sizzling summer series, and I just want to say real quickly, I walked into my office this morning, and there on my desk was a brand new package of Sham Wow towels. Come on, son. I don't know who you are, but God bless you. I mean, we can soak up the Red Sea with those Sham Wow towels, and if you're here last week, we talked about how I bought into those. Somebody else did too, and they gave them back to me. So can't wait to, to use them. But hey, at least we're listening. Hey, you guys are getting something out of the messages every week, even if it's just Shamwell Towels. I'm just telling you. But we're just going to continue on today. And I want to start things off by taking a look at a passage of, of scripture that's it's really become a life verse for me. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. And the apostle Paul is kind of starting off with this admonishment to us. And he says, be careful then how you live. In other words, be strategic, be intentional, right? Think about what you're doing. Think about that the, the choices you make today will determine your lives of, and, and tomorrow. And, and so be strategic and think about that. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Well, how do we do that, Paul? How do, how do we live as, as wise people, not as unwise? Well, making the most of every opportunity. Now, that word opportunity literally means to redeem the time, that that we wouldn't let a moment, everybody say moment, that we wouldn't let a moment pass by in front of us without taking advantage of it. Speaking of moments, I want to talk to us today about defining moments. The title of the message is Defining Moments, moments that stick with us. Moments that shape us. Moments that change the entire direction of where our lives are headed. In fact, a defining defining moment is when God gives us an opportunity to know him and to know his plan and purpose for our lives in a greater way. Let me say that again. A defining moment in our lives is when he gives us an opportunity to know him and to know his plan for our lives in a greater way. How many of us know that God doesn't want to stay distant from us? That he desires a relationship with us. That he has a plan and he has a purpose for us. But it's birthed out of our relationship with him. And I can't help but think that, that God it would be looking down at all of us today and saying, man, there's some things that I want to help you out with. There's some things that I want to heal 
in your heart. There's some things that I want to restore in your life. There's some things that I want to do, but I can't do it from a distance. And so I want to give you an opportunity to come closer to me. And why does God want us to come closer to him? Because he, he's not a God of, of religion. He's a God of relationship. How many of us know religion uh, tries to get us to do this and try to get us to do that? And, and, and how many know that doesn't work, right? Religion is all about behavior modification, but a relationship with God changes who we are. I'm different. I'm not the same person that I used to be. R religion is all about trying to change us from the outside in. Spoiler alert, it doesn't work and it's miserable, Right? But a relationship with God changes us from the inside out. And I think it's important for us to understand that God wants to be close, that he, he wants to be involved in our lives. He wants to have a relationship with us. And it's important for us to know and to understand that God gives us defining moments because he's got a plan. He's got a vision of where he wants to take our lives. And a defining moment is is when we surrender to God's plan for our lives and we go on this journey we never thought possible. How many of us know that a defining moment is a God moment? It's a moment where we say, man, man, God spoke to me in that place. Man, I encountered God's presence. Heaven invaded my life. That was a God moment. I'll never forget when heaven invaded my life. God spoke to me. God said something to me. I encountered God in a powerful way, and it changed the entire direction of where my life was headed. How many of us want a defining moment in our lives? How many of us want more than a defining moment in our lives, right? You guys want, are you guys listening over here? You guys want a defining moment? Okay. I was thinking about, as we talk about defining moments, I was just thinking about a defining moment in my life when God first called me into full-time ministry. I've never shared this story before, and so it takes about 45 minutes to, to let you know what's going on, but it's so good, guys, so just stay with me, but... I've shared how many, many moons ago I, I went through a Christian alcohol and drug treatment facility uh, called Teen Challenge. Uh, walked through the doors November 3rd, 1999, and I spent 21 months in the program, and I needed every single day of it. And, and so the, the, the first part of the program, the intense part, if you will, was 15 months. I, I spent that in, in Teen Challenge in South Dakota. And then after I graduated from that, I spent the other six months in what they call reentry or halfway house. And that was in Omaha, Nebraska. And so that's where God changed my life. And, and, and so I, I'm completing the program. I'm coming to the, the end of maybe month 20, if you will, and I'm starting to ask the question, God, what do you want from my life? God, what's your plan for my life? Have you changed me? You radically, I'm not the same person. I'm different. But as I'm coming to the end of this, pro, what do you want me to do? Anybody ever prayed that? Like, God, what's your will? What's your plan? What's your purpose for my life? And so I had went on a, a little pass uh, about a month before I was graduating back to Kansas City and, and when I was in South Dakota, my, the director, the kind of the pastor of the, of the program, if you will, uh, his name is Mike Gilmartin, he said, if you're ever back in Kansas City, because he knew my family was from Kansas City, and he said, if you're ever back in Kansas City, there's a good friend of mine 
who I used to work at a teen challenge with in Cape Girardeau, uh, Missouri. He actually moved to Kansas City and planted his own church, and he's a pastor there. You should go check it out if you're ever in Kansas City. And so I'm in Kansas City visiting some family, and they have services on Friday night. Well, if you know, you know my background, uh, I couldn't think of anything better to do on a Friday night than go to church. And so I went to go visit this church and, and, and met the pastor, Pastor Gary Stucker. And, and man, I, as soon as I walked into the church, I just felt like I was at home. Like, these are my people. Like, I've known these, these people my entire life. There was tons of just young adults. I mean, they were passionate. It was fun. It was life-giving. They loved God. They went after God with all their hearts. It was just an amazing church and environment to be in. And I'll never forget after the service, I'm kind of hanging out with the pastor and the leaders and, and uh, I'm up in one of the offices, we're just hanging out and they had just printed off this, this internship that they were starting. It was called 365 All Day Every Day and I got the first brochure or packet ever made in the history of the world. And so they gave it to me and said, you should think about coming to, to the, the uh, 365, the internship and doing that. I go, man, I'll think about that. And so I, I ended up going back to Omaha because I had about a month left. I'm still praying about, God, what do you want me to do? And I kind of had on my heart that I also wanted to go back to Teen Challenge in South Dakota. I mean, you know it's a God thing if I want to go back to South Dakota. Holy cow. But I had a heart to go help guys that were in my similar situation. Guys coming off the streets, guys in addictions, coming out of incarceration. I mean, if God did it for me, maybe he could use me to help somebody else that was in my shoes too. And so I really had that heart. But I didn't even know, how, how do you do that? How do you go back to teen child? How do you get involved in full-time ministry? And, and so I had that heart. But at the same time, there was a part of me that wanted to go play baseball in college. There was a friend of mine that played baseball for a junior college in Kansas City. And then he went and played in the minor leagues after that. And he was... I was talking to him a little bit, and he was encouraging me to go to a junior college, not for an education, because I wasn't really trying to pursue that. I was just wanting to go play baseball. And uh, I, I played sports my entire life, and then through the addictions and trouble I had with the law, I kind of didn't really play in high school, kind of ruined my baseball career, if you will. So I always kind of had that regret and like hope maybe I could go back and play in college. All my buddies did. And so I'm kind of just grappling with these three. Do I go to this internship? I mean, I had a blast at this church. Do I go play baseball? Because I'm amazing. I'll probably be in the majors and make millions. And then I can tithe back to you, God. It makes sense to me. Or do I go back to Teen Challenge in South Dakota? Because I really don't want to go to South Dakota because it's freezing. It's like reverse hell there. But... I do want to help people who are in a similar situation to me. What am I supposed to do? And I'll never forget about a month left in the program. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, and the director of the reentry program, his name, his name is Bob Larson, walks through the house, sees me in the living room by myself, and he says, hey, Kyle, what's going on? And I, you would see him from time to time, but uh, I didn't see him all the time, and, he, and so I just kind of ran into him. He said, hey, I just got off the phone with the, the director of Teen Challenge in South Dakota, Mike Gilmartin, and I told him that you would make a good staff member. Now, I've never told Pastor Bob anything. We never had a conversation about me thinking about going back on staff, nothing. Just out of the blue, because I think you would make a good staff member. I told him that. Have you ever thought about going back on staff? And I go, well, yeah, man, I actually have thought about that. I prayed about it. And he goes, you should give Mike a call. And so I go over and I call Mike back in South Dakota. I said, hey, just talked to Pastor Bob. And he kind of shared with me that he thought I'd make a good staff member and told you about it. What, what do you think about it? 
and, and Pastor Mike's kind of a military guy, and he goes, well, if you're serious about it, are you serious about it? I mean, are you, are you, if you're serious about it, he just kind of starts ripping me a little bit over the phone, like, wanting to make sure that I'm not playing around. He goes, well, if you're serious about it, because we're not, we're, if you're for real about it, we're helping guys get free. This isn't, we're not playing any games around here. If you're, if you're serious about it, then here's what I want you to do. There's a internship in Kansas City that my buddy, Pastor Gary Stucker at his church, they're just starting. It's called 365. He had no idea. I had the first brochure pamphlet on my bed up in my room. And, and he goes, if, if you're serious about it, I want you to go to 365 for a year, do the internship, and then you come back and work on staff. And at that point, I kind of pulled the phone away. I, I kid you not, I heard angelic beings like, ah, you know, like I just, you know, you just knew like, this is the Lord. I mean, how, he cannot make it any more plain to me than this, other than the baseball thing. I'm like, how are you gonna work that in? Are we still going to the majors? Or we're not going to the majors now, God? Is that, would change that? I thought we were still doing that. Get back to me on that, God, right? Literally, coach, come on. That's right. That's right, and we're gonna be on the, oh, we're gonna be on the field later this afternoon. If it's not raining, we're gonna beat Tenor in the championship game. That's just what we're gonna do today, all right? Come on now, seriously, it's a great word right there. Come on, I'm receiving that. Look, God spoke to you in the sermon to me I'm getting ministered to. But it's in that moment, how I many know that I knew it was God? It was a defining moment. It was an opportunity for me to, to get to know God more, to get, grow closer to God in a greater way. But it was also an opportunity for me to have a greater understanding of his plan and his purpose for my life. The question is, what would I do with that defining moment that God has placed before me? What would I do with the opportunity that God had laid in my, my lap? And that's the question in every defining moment that God gives to us. What will we do with those opportunities that God gives to us to grow closer to him and to live out his plan and his purpose for our lives? And to kind of unpack this idea a little bit uh, in greater detail, I want to study a, a, a character in the Bible and really study his story and a, the defining moment that changed the course of his life, too. His name is Moses, and if you're not familiar with Moses' story, I mean, God's hand was upon his life from the very time he was born, whether he realized it or not, which is a good word for some of us here today, that God's hand has been on your life from the moment you were born, whether you recognized it or realized it or not, right? And so the Bible tells us that at this point, the Israelites, the Hebrews, God's people, they're enslaved in Egypt, they're held captive, they're, they're in bondage to the Egyptians, and, and the Bible tells us that, that a new pharaoh, a new king had just come into power over the, the land of Egypt, right, over the Egyptians, and the first thing, one of the first things he notices is how the Israelites, God's people, are flourishing, how they're, they're thriving, they're growing in number, which, hey, 
Christians, followers of Jesus, this is another great example that we can thrive, we can flourish, we, we can exceed, we, we can have joy, we can have purpose, we can have meaning, even in the least likely conditions of our lives. Here is God's people in slavery, in bondage, in captivity, and they're thriving, they're flourishing, they're growing, they're exceeding what they even thought was possible in the midst of these conditions. And so he notices that they're multiplying and growing. And so he comes up with this, this plan to, to, if an Israelite woman gave birth to a baby girl, that girl could live. But if an Israelite woman gave birth to a baby boy, that boy was to be killed. And so, so Moses, his mom, gives birth to, to him. And the Bible tells us that she recognized how, how beautiful, how special, much like my mother did when I was born, how beautiful and special he was. And so she just couldn't, she couldn't obviously bring herself to do it. And so she hid Moses for three months, which is an incredible how you keep a baby quiet for three months. Shout out mothers. I don't know how you guys, moms, it's not Mother's Day, but it should be every day. I'm just saying, it's my wife around here. Is she hearing this? Anyways, someone tell her what I said about her today. She's an amazing mother. But, but so she hides Moses for three months, and then the writing's on the wall. I'm only going to be able to do this for so long. It's only a matter of time before somebody finds out my son has been born and they take his life. And so she's all out of options. What do you do? And so she comes up with this plan to put him in a papyrus basket and float him down the Nile River, hoping that a crocodile doesn't eat him. Somebody finds him, God's hands upon him, God protects him. Like she has no other options. Could you imagine putting your three-month-old son in a little basket and floating him down the, the river? And so she does that, and, and he floats down the river, and lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter. How many of us know that God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise? Pharaoh's daughter, the same Pharaoh that put this decree in place to kill every Israelite Hebrew baby boy, his daughter finds Moses in this basket. She hears him crying and she has compassion on him. She ends up taking uh, him as her own and raises him in the palace for the next 40 years. He grows up in, in, in the palace. He's an heir to the throne. He's a king's Kid, I mean, it's a rags to riches kind of story. I mean, Moses, had, now he is going to the east side. He's finally getting a piece of the pie. Come on now. Listen, I'm not even going to fight it. I'm going to give the Jeffersons references. I don't even care, young people, if you don't get them. I'm not fighting it anymore. I'm just giving it to you. You Google it. YouTube it or something. I'm, not gonna, I'm getting old, I'm just gonna go with it, right? Gray hair, I don't care, let it ride. It's wisdom. I'm not gonna dye my hair, I'm just gonna roll with it, let's go. But it's a rags to riches story, and all of a sudden he went from, from being <laughs> in slavery and bondage and really not supposed to be alive, and now he's a king's kid. He's got the best of everything at his fingertips. Best education, best training in war. I mean, he's got everything... At the, at the touch of his fingertips, but, but at the same time, how many of us know he's, he's still an Israelite, he, he's still a Hebrew, and his people are still enslaved and in bondage, and they're abused every single day, and you can only run from who you truly are for so long, 
right? You can only push that down for so long. And all of a sudden, one day, Moses sees an Egyptian beating down a fellow Hebrew, a fellow Israelite, and something comes over him. Why? Because God had called, created him to deliver God's people from the bondage of, of Egypt. But if you don't know who you are, and if you don't know who God is, you'll try to live out your purpose in the wrong way. And so he ends up killing this Egyptian, burying him in the sand in hopes that nobody would find out. Good luck, right? Small town to find. Hopefully nobody ever finds out. Yeah, everybody knows already, right? So a word eventually gets back to Pharaoh, and as soon as Pharaoh finds out, Moses runs for his life. He goes, I, I know it's only a matter of time before he comes after me. He runs for his life to a place called Midian, where he would spend the next 40 years. 40 years in a palace, now 40 years in a desert on the side of a mountain. And, and I love what D.L. Moody says about, Mo, about Moses. He says this, he says, Moses spent his first 40 years thinking that he was somebody, heir to the throne, he was a man of importance, but then he spent his second 40 years learning he was a nobody. But then he had this defining moment in his life at the age of 80, and he spent his third 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. As we kind of dive into his defining moment, let's take a look at his story. Uh, found in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. At this point in Moses' life, he is 80 years old. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, it's important for us to know that, that Horeb is the same mountain, the same place as Mount Sinai. And I have a, a map that I want to show to you to kind of give us some, a greater context of this. You'll see Egypt is, is up here. Moses flees Egypt, right? He crosses the, the, the wilderness of Egypt. He crosses over the Sinai Peninsula into Midian, which is just north of Mount Sinai or Horeb, right, where he's got this flock of sheep. So you see this, this journey that he has made. Now, just so we know, Midian is modern-day Saudi Arabia, to give you some context. And so you see this, this journey that Moses makes, and the question for me, and then he spends the next 40 years in Midian, around Mount Sinai, at Horeb, the mountain of God. The question, if you're anything like me, is why? Why Midian? Why is he spending 40 years in this place? Well, the answer is because Moses is eventually going to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery, and he's going to take them across the Sinai Peninsula. He's going to take them to Mount Sinai, which is also Mount Horeb, where God gives them the Ten Commandments, right? Writes on two tablets with his finger, and Moses is going to be responsible for two million people in a desert area, and over the, those 40 years previous to the Exodus, Moses, he's learning the land. He, he's, he's getting to know the people. He's seeing the trade routes. He's knowing, he knows where the, the water is, is, and God is preparing him for what he is going to encounter later in 
life. Can I just say this to us today? Some of the things that we're going through today are preparing us for our tomorrow. In other words, there is no season of our lives that God ever wastes. There is no time in our lives that doesn't have purpose, value, and meaning. That every single day that we're following God, walking with God, he's not only doing something significant in this season of our lives, but God is also preparing us for what we're about to step into. God is strengthening us. He's developing us, and he's preparing us for the road ahead. And here we see God doing that with, with Moses. Moses is, is getting ready to have this, this moment with God, this defining moment that will change his life forever. And so as we study his story, I want to give us five things that God will, will give us in the defining moments of our lives. Let's continue on reading how the story goes. Remember, Moses is on the side of the mountain, Mount Horeb. He's tending to some flock, these sheep. And verse 2 of Exodus chapter 3 says this, There the angel of the Lord. Stop there. This is important. This is not just any angel. This is the angel of the Lord. 67 times the angel of the Lord appears in the Old Testament. And whenever we see this, we need to know that who we are talking about is the angel of Jehovah, the angel of Yahweh. This is God himself. Scholars tell us that this is the second person in the Trinity. This is Jesus Christ in his pre-carnate glory. And so when Moses is looking into the flame, he sees this angelic being, which is Jesus in the fire. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. And so there's this bush that's on fire, and Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. And so Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. As we're talking about defining moments today, if you're taking notes, the first thing that God will give us in the defining moments of our lives is, number one, is an invitation. He gives us an invitation. Moses sees something out of the ordinary. And how many, it's, it's not natural. Moses sees something, this is just not natural. This bush is on fire and it's not burning up. This is not natural. And how many of us know if it's not natural, then that means it's supernatural. He sees something supernatural taking place and Moses decides to go and take a closer look. You see, the question in our lives isn't, is God doing something? The question is, do we see it? Do we recognize it? In other words, that we would have a greater sensitivity to what God is and wants to do in our lives. In fact, a great prayer for us to, to consistently pray is, God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear your voice. I don't want to just be led by your spirit. I want to stay in step with your spirit. God, give me a greater sensitivity to your voice. Give me a greater sensitivity to your presence in my life. God, I know that you're working all around me, but I know there's so many times I don't even recognize it. How many times, I, I, I've said this before, but one of the, the greatest tragedies that can happen in our day is for us to go through it and never recognize God in it. 
that we would just go throughout our day and we would never pause, we would never stop and just recognize God in our day. Seeing God in our family, God in our relationships, God in our careers, God in our finances, God in our health, God is all around us. The tragedy is oftentimes we don't even recognize it. Right, so God gives him this invitation to come over and take a closer look. How many know God's given us multiple invitations to get closer to him? Anybody? I've looked back throughout my life. How many invitations did God send in my life? And so it's important for us to understand that it's, it's, not, it's not enough just to sense that God is moving. It's not enough to sense that God is speaking. It's not enough to sense that, that God's presence is there. It's not enough just to sense that God is up to something in our lives. The issue is, the question is, will we go over and take a closer look? Will we stop what we are doing? Will we allow God to interrupt our plans? Will we allow God to interrupt our agenda? Will we allow God to interrupt the direction that our lives are headed and go take a look at what he wants to do? Moses is leading this flock. He's tending to his sheep, but yet he gives us this great example of allowing himself to be interrupted because he's having a God opportunity, a God moment, a defining moment has just fell right before him. Will we let God interrupt our lives? I don't know how many defining moments I've missed simply because I wasn't willing to allow God to interrupt me. I wasn't allowing God to interrupt my plans and where I wanted my life to go. Take a look at what happens when Moses goes over to, to get a closer look. Exodus chapter three, verses four and five. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, pause there, how many of us know God is watching our response? Some of us might think that we're waiting on God, but the truth is he's waiting on us. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses responds by saying, here I am, God, here I am. And then he said, don't come any closer, which I always, I love this part. Like, get over here, Moses. Nope, don't. I'm just messing with you. Is this the stop and go thing we used to do in the roller skating rink back in the day? Red light, green light, remember that? Come, nope, nope, stop, go, get close, nope, nope, nope. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. How many of those significant significance in every part of the scriptures? And the second thing that God will give us in the defining moments of our lives, first, uh, an invitation. Secondly, he gives us a warning. I specifically put a warning there because I want to unpack this a little bit because I think it brings out the different dynamics that are critical for us to understand in our relationship with God. I mean, is there closeness with God? Absolutely. Are we a friend of God? Yes. But friendship with God and closeness with God, they don't do away with holiness, reverence, and the sovereignty concerning God. Sovereignty means he's above everything. He's in control of everything. He's above it all. And so yes, Yes, there's closeness. Yes, there's a, a friendship with God. And on one hand, God is calling Moses closer. But, but then on the other hand, God is teaching and he's reminding Moses not to treat God as something common or ordinary. It's a good reminder for us in these defining moments of our lives. Because the truth is, we can kind of take lightly some of the defining moments and opportunities God has placed for us. 
Have you ever maybe said or heard someone say, you know what, I might go to church sometime, or I might pray sometime, or I might consider God sometime. You ever said that? I know I have. I'll never forget talking with my dad way back, back in the day in high school. My dad was trying to get me to go to church with him. I said, you know what, I'll go to church someday, like some down the road. But how many of us know God, God's not giving us suggestions to consider. He gives us commands to obey. Like he's not on our level, right? And sometimes we fall into the trap of treating God and his, the opportunities he gives to us as common or ordinary. Like he's a parent. Parents, you ever had when your kids do that? Like, hey, I need you to go clean your room. Okay. And they just sit there. Boy, I'm about to sumo wrestle you, dive bomb you, elbow you, put you in pain. Like you're treating what I'm saying to you as you can take it or leave it. No, no, I'm your dad. And I just asked you, I brought you into this world, boy. And I was like, I'll take you out right now. And we joke about it, but parents, don't we see that? The familiarity breeds contempt. Have we gotten too familiar with, familiar with his presence? Have we taken for granted his word? Have we, have we taken for granted his kindness in our lives? Because he's kind, because he's loving, because he's forgiving, we can just do whatever we want to do. We can take it or leave it, God, like it's a buffet. Like I'm coming, I don't want this, I'll take that. I don't want this, and we've lost our reverence for God. Can we get back to falling on our knees and saying, God, whatever you want to do, I'll do whatever you say, I'll do. God, you're God, and I'm not. You're in control. And there's this reverence and there's this honor and there's this, this holiness. And I realize you're set apart, God. You're sovereign. You're God and I'm not. And I bow my knee. Thank you for just allowing me in your presence. Thank you that you would forgive me of that. Let me, let's get back to reverence, church. Let's get back. To, because I believe when we have that kind of approach to God, when he speaks something, we'll listen. When he speaks something, we'll obey. We don't even have to know, well, how's this gonna work out? Is this really the best plan? Is this really the best? We'll just go and all of a sudden we experience this greatness of God in our lives. You know, I was thinking about this when I spent some time over in Israel. They have this, this phrase in, in the Talmud, which is, which is just the rabbinical writings over the, the first five books of the Bible, just these, these rabbis kind of try to explain and break down what's happening in, in the first five books of the Bible. And when they come to Exodus chapter three, verse five, they have this famous saying uh, in Israel based off of the burning bush. And it simply is this, is that, know before whom you stand. It's based off of God saying, Moses, hold up. Take your sandals off. Show some reverence. Show some honor. The place you're walking is it's holy ground. This phrase, know before whom you stand. In fact, it, it's so important and special to them, that phrase, that when they, when they build temples in Israel, or at least back in the day, they would build the door of the temple. They'd only make it like four feet high. They'd make a real small doorway. And then above the doorway was this phrase, know before whom you stand. And the reason why they made the door so short is because when you walked up to it, you would have to bend down in order to walk into God's house. And it was a sign of reverence. Know before whom you stand. Know whose house you're walking into. Bow your head and bow your heart. Remember who it is who's talking to you. And as we study the scripture, I think it's important for us to know that God always is revealing himself through fire. How did he lead the Israelites through the, the desert on the way to the promised land by fire, didn't he? 
How did he stick it to the, the false prophets of Baal when Elijah sacrificed on the wet altar? He came down and he consumed it by fire. After Solomon built the temple and fulfilled what was in David's heart, he sacrificed to the Lord and the Lord came down and consumed it by fire. And how is he revealing himself to Moses in Midian 40 years after he's been on the run through fire in a bush? And as you think about it, you realize, man, fire sustains us, doesn't it? Fire warms us. We can cook food on it. It can purify water. There's a lot of things that fire does in our lives. But how many of us know you have to respect it? You have to show honor. You, you, if you get too close to it, you could get burned by it. Fire's powerful when it takes over countrysides, right? There's nothing you can do with it, right? Fire is, and so God is revealing himself through fire because he's constantly reminding me, I'm not on your level. I'm above it all. God is holy. He is set apart. He's above all us. He, we are all made. How many know we are all made in his image, yet there was no one like him? Wow. I'm made in his image, but there's no one even on his level. There's no one like him. In fact, if, if it wasn't for the heavens and the earth that, that display his glory, as we walk out these doors, we look around all creation, and we just see, man, this was not a big bang that caused this. This was a creator who wove it together and made all this. It's too integral. I look around, I see his glory all around me. And if it wasn't for his glory, if it wasn't for the truth of his word, if it wasn't for his son, Jesus, that he sent, how many of us know we wouldn't be able to know him? He's above us. He's not on our level. And so he gives us this, this, this warning to remind us who's talking to us. As a parent, you know, something that I've learned, I've, I've, I've never liked it, but I've learned it. You ever been there as a parent? I don't like it, but I'm learning it. Sometimes my kids, they just need to be disciplined to remind them who's talking to them, right? So just, they won't listen, they won't behave, and they just need a little discipline, a little reminder. And it's, it's the funniest thing when they get into trouble and they're reminded of it. It's, it's, it blew me away when I first became a parent. And actually that discipline brought them closer to me, right? It brought them closer to me. And so I didn't like doing it, but I know they needed it. And because I'm the parent, I'm gonna give you what you need, not what you like. I'm a discipline to bring you in. I'm gonna give you a warning because I'm gonna bring you in. I wonder if God doesn't do that with all of us. Yet it's his grace and his love. It's his kindness to, to maybe give us some discipline to remind us he's not on our level. He's God and we're not. And so, so the story continues in Exodus chapter three, verse, verse six here. And, and so he's saying, take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy ground. And then after he does that, then Jesus, the voice from the burning bush said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And notice Moses' response. He hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Here we see Moses. He's, he's having this, this conversation with God. Moses, Moses, here I am. You know, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, and yet he's having this conversation with God, but yet he's still standing in reverence and total awe of who God is. There's a respect, there's an honor, and then God speaks something to Moses that I believe changes everything. Exodus chapter three, verse seven, I love this. Then, then God goes on to say, I have surely seen the affliction of my people 
who are in Egypt and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters and I know their sufferings. So in these defining moments of our lives, God, God will give us an invitation. He'll give us a, a warning to remind us who it is that's talking to us. But the third thing that he'll do is number three, he, he brings affirmation. He affir- I think this is where it changes. Notice the progression. There's an invitation, then there's a, a warning and a reminder of who it is that's talking to you, boy. Don't just treat me as common or ordinary. But then after that, I can only, Moses, how many know God's got Moses' full attention at this point? And now God does what maybe we wouldn't see coming. He starts affirming Moses. I see you. I hear you. I know, I know, I know, I know what you're going through. I see you. I've heard your cry. How many know prayer is powerful? And when we pray, when we cry out to God, we're not doing it in vain. We're not just talking to the air or to the wall. God hears us even if he doesn't respond in our timelines. Prayer is powerful. He's going, I see you. And I'm so grateful for those moments where God reminds us that he answers prayer. So I'm so grateful for those times when he reminds us, I've heard you the whole time. I got a plan. Chill out, relax. I'm on the scene. He just reminds us, I heard you. I've seen you. I know what you're going through. I think this is a powerful moment in this defining moment, in this opportunity that Moses is having because there's a part of me that could fall in the trap of thinking like God's gonna say, what you, you screwed up again, Moses. You killed the Egyptian. What were you doing? I had you in Egypt. I had you heir to the throne, bro. Heir to the throne. You could have taken over the throne. You could have just led the Israelites. We had it down. And you messed up the plan. You killed the Egyptian. What are you doing? Does God do any of that? Now you're out here for 40 years, wasting it. What are you doing? He comes in and goes, I see you. I've heard you. I know. How many know God gets us better than we get ourselves? I know. And one of the most beautiful things God speaks to us is, I, I know. You ever felt like you had to explain yourself to God, but God, the reason I was doing this, and, then, and God just goes, I know. I, I, you don't have to explain it. I know. I get you better than you get you. I know why you tick. I know how you feel. I, I know. I know. You know, I was, we did this exercise with the staff a couple weeks ago where we just we're just talking leadership, and we just went around the room. And we said, hey, you know, who has made the greatest impact uh, in your life in getting into to leadership, into ministry? And it was so awesome to hear. Every single staff member went around, and they all pinpointed back to that one time, that one time where someone said, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? And you were like, what? That same moment when that Pastor Bob in the living room, and he looked at me, have you ever thought about going back on staff at Teen Challenge? Because the truth is, there's a part of me going, me? You think I could do that? I mean, after all the mess-ups that I've had and all the mistakes that I, you think, you see, you see past my problems and you see my potential, you see past that? And every one of us went around and we just saw this, they said the, the person that's had the biggest impact on my life was the person that spoke something into us we didn't even know was there. How many of us know that the person that will have the greatest impact on your life isn't the person you believe in, it's the person who believes in you? And isn't that what Jesus does with all of us? He sees past the problems and he sees our potential. And I'm thinking of how Moses is on the 40 years in Midian and God goes, man, oh, I see you, I hear you, I know. Why? Because I know what I put in you, Moses. 
I know how I designed you. I know how I created you. I know what gifts are still dormant in your life. I know you were made for this. I see past it all. And he affirms him. He's like, well, maybe I, maybe I can do it. Maybe I can. And God gives him this. How many of us the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance? Man, it's not this, this punch in the face. It's this, no, I know. I know I see you. I think God is more concerned not about where we've been, but where we're going where we're willing to go from this day forward. And take a look at what God tells Moses next in Exodus chapter three, verse eight. And he says, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, <laughs> Perizzites, right? A lot of lights. Ice going on right there, Jebusites. They're not good people, I can tell already just by their names, I'm just saying. But what do we see from this, this verse? The fourth thing that God will, will give us in the defining moments of our lives. Remember, he gives us an invitation. He, he gives us a warning. He affirms this, I know how I designed you. I know what I put in you. And then the fourth thing that he gives us is, number four, he gives us a promise. He gives us a promise. How many of us know his promise you may, you could take to the bank, right? So have you ever made a promise and didn't keep? Ever had someone make a promise to you they didn't keep? Well, that's not like that with God. I mean, he's never broken a promise. When he makes a promise, man, it is good as gold. You can take it to the bank. He gives them a promise. I'll come down. I'll come down. I'll come down. Have you ever had a boss not just tell you what to do, but they got down in the trenches with you and they did it with you? And you're like, man, that made Wait, that meant a lot to me that you're willing to work with, still have the authority, still have the responsibility, but man, you're in this with me. I'm not just telling you what to do. I'm showing you. I'm going to work with. God says, I'm coming down. I'm going to get involved in your life. I don't want to be distant. Man, I want to have a relationship with you. But then he goes on to say that, that I want to bring you out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land with vitamin D milk, right? Honeycomb. Good stuff. What, what's he saying to him? My plan is better. That's the pro Here's the promise. It's twofold. The promise is I'm coming down with you. I want to be involved in your life. I want to get right up next to you. I want to rub shoulders with you. I'm coming down, but I want you to know my plan is better. This opportunity that I'm laying before you today, it's better. It's better than you could even imagine. Moses, I know you got a couple kids. I know you got a wife. I know you got some sheep. You got some sheep game going on on the side of the mountain of Midian, right? And Mount Horeb right there. I get all that, but I just want you to know you might be content with where you are, but my plan is better. What about us today? Are we content with where we're at in life? Hey, I got good. I mean, my sheep game's going pretty good, and I got a couple kids, and my career's going all right. You know, I'm, I'm good. God would give us a promise, hey, I'm with you, but come on, my plan's better. I got so much more. How many know he could have stayed there? Moses could have stayed in Midian, and he would have missed out on all the miracles in Egypt. He would have missed out on the parting of the Red Sea. He would have missed out on the greatest thing, his purpose in his life. I don't know about you, I'd rather be uncomfortable walking in God's purpose and plan for my life than to be comfortable and out of God's will. He gives him a promise, and, and then as we get ready to close, take a look what happens next in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. 
So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so the first thing he gives us is an invitation. Then he gives us a warning. He affirms us. He gives us a promise. I'm with you. Come on, my plan's better. And then the fifth thing he gives us is number five. He gives us an instruction. I mean, there's some next steps. I mean, there's some instructions for us to follow. I mean, we don't want to just be hearers of God's word. We want to be doers. In other words, there's a call to action that comes with it. How many know God doesn't call us out? He calls us up. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you. There's more. I'm calling you up. There's more. I'm calling you up. There's more. I'm calling you up. There's more. Get out of your comfort zone. Come on. I'm calling you up. My plan's better. I got a promise for you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm giving you an invitation to something greater. I'm calling you up. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. Gives us an invitation, man. I think it's important for us to understand that a big part of God's instruction is, is not only calling us to himself for us to grow in our relationship with him, because his purpose and his plan for our lives is birthed out of our relationship with God. It took 40 years for Moses to get to a place of maturity to be used by God to lead his people out. One scholar said, you know, since he was 80 years old at the time of the burning bush, one scholar said it took two years of training for every one year of ministry in Moses' life. And so there's a time of preparation. And so God calls us to himself. But then the second part of the instruction is then he sends us to others who are in need and in bondage to sin. Can I just, can I just remind us not to forget the overall purpose and mission that God's given to us? Like I mentioned it earlier, I mean, I'm all about serve day and I'm all about all these different things that we do. But let us not forget the main thing we are doing is rescuing people from hell. Seeing people set free from the bondage of sin that brings death. That's, that's the mission, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful we're no longer doing this. I'm grateful maybe we're not no longer doing that. But has God rescued them from their sin and set them free on the inside? Because how many of us know when God did that for us, he changed everything. Don't just change my circumstances. Change my heart. Isn't that what we're praying? Don't you, I, I want to I help people have better circumstances, but what I'm really doing, I want people to have a different heart. And when we have a different heart, man, we have a different life. And take a look at the instruction Jesus gives to us as we close in this amazing message. That's 50 minutes, but it felt like it was like 15. Come on, somebody. Only God can do that. All the glory to you, God. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. 56 times Jesus said the Father has sent me in the New Testament. And now the one who has been sent is sending all of us. See, God not only wants for us to experience his supernatural powers in our lives, right? But he, that also we would be his hands and his feet to accomplish his purpose on the earth, and that is seeing people set free by his love and his power. That is his plan and his purpose for our lives. So the question is, who is he sending us to today? What are some defining moments that he has placed before us, these opportunities to know him and to know his plan and his purpose for our life in a greater way? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your truth. 
how you speak to us right where we're at with exactly what we need to hear. In fact, that's our prayer in this moment, God, that, that you would speak, Lord, we're listening. Our prayer is, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak into our lives. God, we give you permission to interrupt us today, God, to interrupt our plans, to interrupt our agendas, to interrupt the, the direction that our lives are headed. We give you permission, God. Lord, I pray that you would have, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear your voice. That you would give us a greater sensitivity to your spirit. That we could recognize the defining moments that you've placed before us. These opportunities to know you and to know your plan and purpose for our lives in a greater way. In fact, right now, I just pray, God, that you would help us to recognize these defining moments. That you would give us the courage and the, deter the determination to respond to heaven. That as you give us this invitation, that we would go take a closer look. That we respond to who you are and the warning that, man, you're above us to walk in reverence and honor to, to heaven today. And we'd receive your affirmation. We'd stand firm on your promise. And we'd follow your instruction that you give to us. And we'd live out the defining moments in our lives. As we're praying together today with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe someone here or maybe someone watching online, a defining moment in your life is simply saying, God, I want to know you. Maybe like we talked about at the beginning of the message, the difference between religion and a relationship. Maybe you've felt yourself just being in this, this season of we're just trying to do this and do that and trying to earn God's love and his forgiveness and what you really need is not religion, what you really need is a relationship where God changes you from the inside out. And if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, wherever you're at, would you just lift your hand to heaven as a sign of response to his love? Say, so here I am, God. I want to have a relationship with you. God, here's my heart, what you've always wanted, not my behavior, modification, not, not doing this, not my money. Not, here's my heart. I want to know you. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at, but loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you for sending your, your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Today, here's my heart. God, I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. God, forgive me of, of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live my life is yours in Jesus name and everybody said come on let's give God some praise for all those who cross over from death to life today so good shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar they shall walk and not get weary they shall run and uh, that's what happens when you wait That's what happens when you wait They that wait on the Lord Shall renew their strength They shall mount up on wings Like an eagle and soar They shall walk and not get weary They shall run 
and I faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait. joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.